Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz and I am the host of this wonderful show. So today's guest, I'm super excited for you all to listen in to today's show. Her name is Karen Shanks. Karen Shanks is a physician who lives and practices in Iowa City. Her work is inspired by the revolutionary science of functional medicine, body-minded principles, and wisdom gleaned from the transformational journeys of thousands of clients over her 28-year career. Karen believes that health and vitality are essential for the highest expression of our human potential and the bones of our healing are in what we do for ourselves. Love that. So in today's episode, Karen and I talk about the difference between functional and conventional medicine and why she chose her career. We talk about her book, Heal, and how it empowers those with chronic illness to take back their power in their chronic illness journey. We chat about genes and victimhood and so, so much more. I can't wait for y'all to listen to today's episode, so let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I have Karen on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Of course. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are? Oh, wow. That's a big question. <laughs> well, I am. And probably what, what brought you and I together is that I am a um, functional medicine doctor and I specialize in uh, the care of folks with chronic complex illness, everything from autoimmune disorders to, um, to cancer to just uh, being walk, the walking wounded um, and I use a, a functional medicine model, which is a person-oriented um, root cause. Let's get to the root cause and understand um, who you are, for, you know, in all the various dimensions, um, including systems biology. As a po- and it, uh, it brings up the the um, question that a lot of people have for me is, what is the difference between functional medicine and like conventional medicine when you have a chronic illness and you're seeking care? And um, in conventional medicine, the um, focus is on diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually uh, it takes place in an environment where there's the visits are short. Mm-hmm. You've got to be very succinct. You've got to focus on a, on a single problem. And, um, and typically the, the therapies are geared towards symptom control as opposed yeah. to really getting deep and to address what's going on at the root cause level. Whereas with functional medicine, we take a step back. We, you typically are practicing in an environment where we have more time so we can hear the whole story and we can get mm. all the pieces of the puzzle sort of sorted out and really dive in and address it at a root cause level at the d- deepest levels of biochemistry of lifestyle of nutrition um, and try to uh, try to solve those um, those issues so that people have sustainable resolution of their problems not just symptom control which yeah. you know there's nothing wrong with symptom control at times we all yeah. need that but that's mm-hmm. not that doesn't that doesn't take care of the problem yeah, that definitely, especially in the, the chronic illness space, I feel like there's, it's so much more. I was just talking to someone about this earlier today um, who has multiple autoimmune diseases and, and like, there's so much more for me having Hashimoto's, like it's a, it's a more well-known autoimmune disease, meaning yes. there's some research behind it. People right. are aware of it, even right. in the conventional side of medicine. Right. But for me, what works for me 
isn't necessarily going to work for so-and-so who also has Hashimoto's. Like, exactly. I have migraines and I have hormone right. issues and I have weight issues, like all this stuff. So right. It's kind of like really getting into the right dirty there. Because Hashimoto's really, if you, if we want to be, um, if, if we want to look at it, like where it is in the, the spectrum of what's going on, it's really at the level of a symptom. So it's telling us there's more stuff going on beneath the surface, whether that's inflammation or a chronic infection or a nutrient deficiency, whatever it might be, it's going to be different for everybody. And it's usually going to be a combination of things. So mm-hmm. it really everyone's experience is different. Everybody comes to it. Everybody's, anyone who's diagnosed with, a, with Hashimoto's thyroiditis has a different problem. Yeah. Right? We can't yeah. treat it. We can't treat everybody the same. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get into functional medicine? Wow. I, I knew from, I knew when, while I was in medical school, that there was something not right with what mm-hmm. I was learning. Um, the first couple of years when we are in, immersed in physiology and biochemistry and the, you know, this, what, what, what cells are made up of, that was cool. And I felt like I was in the right place. But as soon as we started applying uh, what we were learning to people and learning clinical medicine, it all changed and it all became about, uh, it, it became about naming the disease and, and then um, memorizing the drugs that you used for those diseases. And we never really thought through what was going on at the, at the deeper level um, of the, the biology of that person. Mm-hmm. Or of the psychology and the you know all the other circumstances of people's lives that we know contribute to uh, their biology. Yeah. So I had that experience, and then as soon as I finished my training and started seeing um, my clients in the clinic, I realized that I did I, most of the time I didn't have the tools and the solutions for their complex problems. Mm. You know, so. I had to go back to the drawing board and start learning uh, nutrition and um, psychology and mind-body healing. And um, I found the Institute for Functional Medicine and um, started learning uh, functional medicine and how to to put together all these various people, uh, these pieces of what makes people tick. Mm -hmm. I also had my own health struggles. and around the time when I finished my training and I had my, uh, had my two children um, immediately following my medical training, um, I just hit a wall of severe fatigue and joint pain and migraines and I felt terrible. Um, and nobody had any answers for me because it was all just normal. <laughs> you know, yeah, of no. course you're tired. You're a mom and you just finished your medical training and, and on and on and on. But through my own um, learning about nutrition and functional medicine, I was able to slowly put together the pieces of the, the dysfunctions that I was carrying that needed to be resolved. And, you know, and it turned out to be a, a, a variety of things like stress, of course, and not getting enough sleep. Of course, those all played into it. But I also had some key nutrient deficiencies and I had a whole bunch of food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that's not part of conventional medicine to think about things in that way. Um, so though I, I gradually figured those things out for myself and was able to recover fully. Yeah. Um, so 
and, and and then over the course of the over the course of time, and it's been to, uh, almost thirty years since I did my medical train, my original medical training. I've had a lot of weird things go on with my health. Like I'm hypermobile, and hypermobile, and a lot of people call it Erlos Danlos syndrome. Um, I don't. I choose not to call it anything. I'm just hypermobile. But with that comes low blood pressure and a variety of other problems that can become issues. Um, under certain conditions and circumstances, but it's not recognized by conventional medicine. So I've had to figure this all out by myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I've come to realize that a lot of folks have, um, have functional um, issues that can be uh, problems in certain circumstances, but that aren't, um, that aren't um, specifically identified by uh, conventional medicine. So um, it's just, it's been interesting. And it's made me more tuned in, I think, to the troubles of the people who come to see me. Mm-hmm. That, and the uh, lack of responsiveness that they've received when they've, when they've looked for help, you know? Yeah. yeah, I can totally relate to, to the, like, the symptom is normal. When they've um, found, at first they didn't even find Hashimoto's because they didn't do the test for that. They just tested hypothyroid. Thankfully, I was glad they tested that. But it was very much like, well, of course you're gaining weight. You were in college and you ate and drank a lot. Or of course you're tired, like you're a college senior. Or of course, like all these things made sense because I was stressed and I was not eating a great diet, which were definitely factors, but there was also something else underlying that um, they actually ended up diagnosing me with depression um, first before they even tested my thyroid. And they put me on an antidepressant and it made me go crazy. I just felt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. way worse and ended up like requesting and making them take me off of it because I was like, I'd rather feel the other symptoms than feel like an entirely different person. Sure. And, but yeah, just like assuming that those symptoms are normal because that's where mm-hmm. you are in your life. And I feel like right. that's especially, I'm sure it also happens to men, but with women, I feel like when I'm like, oh, you know, I have mood issues and I'm, I'm gaining weight and I'm tired all the time. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> that comes with a period or it comes with all this right. kind of stuff. And then, you know, for me, I didn't even know what functional medicine was when that was when that was in my in my like frame of reference. So it wasn't until much later, I mean just a few years ago, that I was like, oh wait, I shouldn't feel like this though. Exactly. <laughs> like, and that's what I was thinking the whole time you've been talking. It's like, when is it how is it okay to feel that way? Mm-hmm. How is it ever okay? Even if it's not a disease or a disorder, how is that how is that okay for somebody to feel depressed? Yeah. And tired and you know whatever else. Yeah. Right? Especially yeah. when they're coming and asking for help. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. You wanted help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We so that's when we roll our sleeves up and we get to work and we keep looking and and um it's not normal to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's never normal to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it, not a like, Prozac deficiency, right? Exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And I think it can be so empowering. It, for me, it was. It was so empowering the day that I was like, "Wait, no, this isn't how I'm supposed to feel." Like, I, and it was actually like with my technical Hashimoto's um, diagnosis by an endocrinologist, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal." 
Lee, you're going to continue to feel like that. If you ever want to get pregnant, we should probably pay attention to it. But like, otherwise it's kind of just the way it is with Hashimoto's. And I left and I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> like I refuse to Good believe for you. that. Good for you. Yeah. But it, it yeah. can be really, really hard in those instances. And I do think it's so cool now, um, even from the first, when I was first diagnosed 10 years ago with hypothyroidism versus a couple years ago, the amount of people, podcasts, like that are sharing their stories and that are sharing that there are other options and there are other yes. things you can do. I yes. think it's so cool. Yes. And there's books. There's really good books out there. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of information on Hashimoto's now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And autoimmunity in general. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. Even mm -hmm. like what you're talking about before too, with not necessarily having a diagnosis of something. We went through this with my husband almost two years ago now, and we still don't really know what happened. We know that it was basically like adrenal burnout and there was some mercury toxicity and like all this stuff that kind of happened all at the same time. And mm -hmm two of his friends were doctors and they kind of were like, I mean, those things don't exist, dude. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? And he was like, I, I mean, this is what my functional medicine doctor is helping me work through though. And I feel better. Right. So it was just so interesting to even get that from, right. from people that we were close to. Right. Yeah. Very interesting and infuriating. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes it was. And yet that's the, you know, that's the limit of their training mm -hmm. and they're going to have to have an aha moment at some point. Right. Yeah. And start looking into this stuff and, yeah. and uh, it, it will begin to make sense. But, you know, we get into our little boxes of thinking about, you know, our, our boxes of understanding about the way things are and medicine is certainly guilty of that. And so are many other, you know, institutions and just um you know people with certain mindsets and and points of view we just get locked into our thinking yeah yeah for sure but speaking of books do you want to talk a little bit more about your book that you wrote well sure so i wrote a book that really i think addresses what we're talking about right now mm -hmm. which is you know um how do we how do we heal and the book is called heal mm -hmm. um and it was inspired by, you know, 25 years of working with people with chronic complex illness and really wanting to provide them with a roadmap that they could look at that, that suggests areas of our, life, our lives that really require our attention and need to be healthy for us to be, you know, sort of globally healthy. Um, we sometimes get really... Um, really busy and focused on certain aspects of the healing that people need. And it's hard then for them to step back and see that bigger picture and, um, you know, take some suggestion about where to jump in, um, in terms of a, a healing roadmap um, to, to work and to take care of themselves. So that was my inspiration. Um, so it's essentially a roadmap for healing from my perspective. It incorporates a lot of functional medicine principles, a lot of body, mind, spirit uh, principles. My, my goal is to share it with the world and with anybody who will listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like the one thing that's really interesting to me is just the, the fact that healing isn't linear and it's also like there's so many different parts of it throughout your life. It's going to kind of 
ebb and flow. There might be new things that come up or, or new ways of living that you want to try out, things like that. It's actually a big reason I named this podcast Chronically Healing because it's more, <laughs> it's more right. in not yeah. a bad way, just in a sense right. that like, there's constantly going to be things that you're going to want to work through, whether it's mindset, psychology, or um, physical symptoms that you're dealing with, things like that. Right. So this is like a really cool and I, helpful I agree roadmap with you. to have it all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And that's why I often refer to what we're, what we're doing is living a healing life. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. what we, it's just what we do every day um, or we, what we have the potential to do. And you, as you say, we're always going to, there's always going to be new challenges that come along in our lives that are going to challenge us in a new and different way or, you know, sort of uncover a vulnerability that we need to work on. I mean, look what we're all living with right now, yeah. COVID-19, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, we're really called right now to live our healing lives and to create the resilience that allows us to, you know, thrive even under circumstances like this, which we can, you know, mm-hmm. we have the potential to do that. We're not sitting ducks. Yeah. And I think that's one of those, those are some of the core messages that are in my book is that we really have a lot of control over what happens to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's very empowering because you have all these tools that kind of, that are able to help you continue to move throughout your life. It's definitely, I'm grateful that I'm at a place in my healing right now during all this stuff, because I've been able to understand and give myself some grace when I haven't handled it well, or, you know, I feel too much energy, things like that. So so yeah, it's, right. it's crazy. Yes. What, so one thing that I, just from people talking to me on Instagram and email and stuff is that I feel like some people will get stuck in this area of frustration that one part of them isn't healing fast enough, or they feel like they're never going to heal or they're never going to, um, they're never just going to be the same person that they were before. What, do you have any like tips or things, inspirations for people that are kind of stuck in that zone of like, I'm never going to get out of this. What do I do? Right. I know. And that's, that's, it, that's tough. I, so when I, when, when I think when I, and I'm talking about myself and everybody else, we're all human. We all do this. When we, when we feel stuck and when mm-hmm. we think we're stuck, that's always a story mm-hmm. because there's always a reason for why we feel the way we feel, whatever that, whatever it is, whatever it is that, that we're dealing with. There's always a reason. There's always some sort of solution. It might not be a solution that takes us to, to where, where we think we want to go, mm-hmm. but I think that it, there's always a solution that can lead us to a better place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we have to work with our mindsets about being stuck. I mean, we can have our pity parties and have our meltdowns. And I think we need to do that (laughs) sometimes, as you say, give ourselves that grace. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we've got to regroup, ask for help, Mm -hmm. call in experts, talk to a friend, read a book. Mm-hmm. You know, the ideas will come, put the questions out there. You know, I always like to say, you know, if you need help, tell the universe you need help. Mm-hmm. There might be things that start to fall into your path yes. that you, you know, whether it's, you know, something that you're going to read or hear, or you're going to meet somebody that you're going to start to get little clues and little messages about where you need to go. And you just have to trust life and trust mm-hmm. that you're going to get there and be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. Healing ra- rarely happens overnight. Yeah. It's a process. 
-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, so we get, we get really impatient um, and we get really self-critical about yeah. feeling the way we feel, you know? And, or looking the way we look or what, whatever it is, we just have to, I love what you said. We have to give ourselves that grace, mm -hmm. right? And ask for help. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much that we can do. I don't care what the problem is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that that, I mean, as women, sometimes that can be so difficult to do is to ask for help and to give ourselves grace and to take rest. Uh, and tell me about it. Yes. Yeah. I've had to work so hard on that, mm -hmm. you know? It, and so now it's like one of my daily mantras, you know, I just like help, help, <laughs> help. Yeah, please help me. <laughs> help me now. Yeah. It yeah. takes practice. It, it really does. It takes practice and it is hard sometimes. Yes, it really is. And help can like asking for help can be anything. It can be asking yourself for help. It can be, like you said, looking for books, listening to this podcast or like reaching out to a doctor or reaching out to a friend. Like it, it can be any form of it, but it, it can. Yes, absolutely. Even writing in a journal help. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? <laughs> And like writing I, what you need help with or what you wish you had help with. And sometimes even just writing that out can be so. Absolutely. I think as soon as we ask for help, no matter how we do it, even if it, nobody hears it, right? It's in our journal or it's in our prayers. We're opening ourselves to receive. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's very powerful psychologically and energetically for us to ask for help because it does, it just opens up. You know, I don't want to don't want to sound too woo woo for anybody listening in the audience, but it really it, it fe can feel that magical at times. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. have to remember to do it. Yeah. They're totally used to my woo woo. So. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but I think there's something to be said to that. Like, I think that even just being open to healing, even I think some people are like, of course I want to heal. But when you've been stuck so long in this space of feeling bad or a victim or like, which you're totally like, you deserve to feel that way sometimes, but until you can kind of decide, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try something. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to do that's something. Right. That's when that's it right. opens up this whole path of healing. And until you're able to open that up, it's just not going to come right. That's right. That's right. You just have to say, I feel like crap. It's yeah. not my fault. I'm not, you know, there's no shame in this. Um, I, I'm not stuck. Mm -hmm. It feels stuck when you have low energy and you're in pain and you're suffering, it can feel stuck. It's mm -hmm. a terrible feeling, but it's, you have to shift your mindset away from that story because that will keep you locked in. Mm -hmm. Right. As soon as you say, I'm not stuck, help, boom, in, in, it, in comes your help. Mm -hmm. And then you're not, you're not stuck anymore. Same yeah. with victimhood. You know, you're not a victim of this. It, it's, uh, it's painful. It can be awful. It can feel terrible, but you, we're not victims to it. There's a lot that we can do. And we, ha we also have to claim, we have to give ourselves grace, but we also have to claim res personal responsibility mm -hmm. for ourselves, which takes effort. Yeah. You know, it takes effort. It takes courage 
Just asking for help can take a lot of courage. When we want to ask for a particular kind of help, we want to go to a new doc that we've heard about or whatever, it's, uh, it takes, it's scary to step through that door and to ask, to, one, to state, to tell our story, to state what we want. Um, that, it, that takes a lot of courage because that's saying, hey, I count. I, you know, I count and I, I, I need something. I need to, I want to heal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a question written down and it's funny because I'm like, I don't know <laughs> exactly why I'm, but I wanted to know what, what is the science of epigenetics? Oh yeah, that is, this is such a powerful thing. And this is a powerful thing for people to know, which I will help them on their healing journey because mm -hmm. Epigenetics is um, a, new, a relatively new science. It's been around for just a couple decades, which, it, which makes it very new. Mm -hmm. um, we used to think that our genes were locked in. They're, the way that our genes, our DNA expressed itself from birth on was locked in, was fixed. There was nothing we could do about it. Our genes are our destiny, was the sort of the old way, the old science. Mm -hmm. But now we know that our genes, not uh, our genes, will express themselves differently depending on the environment in which they exist. And the environment which our genes exist, which are in our cells, is everything. It's everything from um, what we eat, what we, how we move, um, our thoughts, our feelings, our social environments, the environmental toxins. Everything that goes on that influences the cell changes our genetic expression. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the science of epigenetics. So what's that, what that's saying to us is that our genes are not our destiny. Mm -hmm. So no longer are we locked into a fixed trajectory based on um, the, the genes that we inherit from our parents. So we can prevent all kinds of diseases that have got, you know, been a part of our family for eons. We can also reverse diseases that are already present. I see Hashimoto's thyroiditis reversed all the time mm -hmm. um, because we, we have control over the environment. We have, uh, we have a lot of control over the environment in which those genes exist. So that's really what functional medicine is all about. It's changing on the biological level. It's about changing gene expression so that we can change our outcomes. We can change how we make energy. We can change how we detoxify. We can change, we can downregulate inflammation. Mm -hmm. We can reverse diabetes. We, we can do all these things by changing genetic expression. That's what epigenetics is. That's, That's a powerful so thing. Yeah, it's super powerful. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I mm -hmm. honestly, I, I don't think I even knew that. I think that, um, and that's something that you hear so often is like, oh, it's genetic. Like, this is genetic. This is the way it is because right. it's in my family. It happened to them. It's going to happen to me. Um, and that can be like terrifying when you know of something in your genetics that isn't so great. <laughs> um, but then, right. but yeah, so that's super interesting. I didn't know that. Right. So, and even though this science has been around for a while, it's not in the like cultural narrative yet. We're still in the cultural narrative of our genes are our destiny, you know? I mean, otherwise, it, 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 if we weren't, we wouldn't have so much chronic illness, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's not, in fact, epigenetics isn't really even being taught in, in conventional medical settings. People oh, wow. aren't being taught that, hey, you can, you're not destined to 
become diabetic, you're not destined to stay diabetic. Mm -hmm. You know, your yeah. blood sugars, if you, you know, I see people all the time who are at the point where their blood sugar sugars are on the rise and they decide they want to do something about that. And so we have the, this talk about epigenetics and I teach them what to do with their, with their diet and their, uh, you know, activity level and their sleep and their lifestyle and stress and all, you know, all the, all those aspects of my book, all those domains of healing that I go through and um, they can reverse, they can change that genetic expression that initially took them down the path of diabetes. Now we go back, we, we, we um, shift away from that trajectory of their genes and we go in, into a different, down a different path. Yeah. We do it. We can do that all the time. That's so, that's so empowering. I feel like for people to understand that they're so, they have so much power given back to them when they so might much power least powerful. If people knew about epigenetics, there wouldn't be near the fear there is right now with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. True. Right. Yeah. People feel like they're sitting ducks. They're not because we can do so much to create immune resilience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Through our, through what we do, through how we live. Yeah. Through every day, every day. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like, for me, you know, I'm still on thyroid medication. It helps me a lot. Um, yeah. But there is so many other parts of my life that I changed that actually were much more impactful, like um, not eating gluten, paying attention to what yeah. I'm eating learning how to move yes. my body in a kinder way. Go, yes. Me going through therapy, I had some stuff to figure out. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, oh, yeah. different things that, that you don't even think about. And like, for me, I just remember with my first doctor with hypothyroidism, basically she just told me, she's like, well, I would just take this pill and then just eat um, like a very low fat diet, like under 30 grams of fat a day. Wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> like that and that is, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I do the opposite of that. I mean, I still take a, a different medication, but I still take medication, but I, I eat probably like five times that amount some days. It's very high fat diet. So yes, yes. Just like figuring out what works for you. Right. And, and what has a, a sound basis in science? We, yeah. you know, we went through that low fat craze. Yeah. Oh my God. I did too. I was, yeah. a, I was in my teens and twenties and I was long distance running and I was on a vegetarian diet and I ate no fat. No wonder I crashed and burned in my thirties, right? Yeah. I mean, we need healthy fats. Mm -hmm. Our brain is mostly healthy fat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So fortunately that pendulum has swung back and now we know, we know so much more about what healthy fats are. Yeah. Um, thank, thankfully. Thankfully. Yes. <laughs> yeah. More <laughs> avocado for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so how do you work with people within your practice? I start by having them do a lot of work, which is because, um, because I'm going to want to know way more than they're used to sharing with yeah. their doctors. I want to know everything from the, you know, before they were born, I want to know about their families. I want to know about their birth. And I want all the details of what happened to them from birth up to the present time, because you never, I mean, it all, it, it's all part of the story. 
um, and can be very important. So I have people fill out some very extensive questionnaires um, and then we meet and usually meet for three to three to four hours at the first visit and they get to, they have an opportunity to tell their whole story. Um, and um, we have a chance to talk together about that story and, you know, start the process of piecing, the, get, getting the pieces of the puzzle to make sense. I just want to interrupt. I'm sure people listening are like three to, that have never been to a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath or anything are like, that's so much time, but it's seriously life-changing to have, to feel like your practitioner knows everything about you and is yes. like really digging in. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, mo- most of the time, the people I see have never had a chance to tell their whole story before. You know, they've been to multiple docs, specialists who are all like focusing on their one little thing, right? Um, nobody's ever listened to the entire, you know, story of what's happened to them. Um, and I have to say, most of the time, uh, solving their problem is not rocket science at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that they have a weird thing that conventional medicine can't possibly figure out. It's really just because nobody has sat down and listened to the entire story. And if you do, it everything falls into place, you know? Yeah. Um, so we've kind of lost that. We've lost touch with that. I think that was part of medicine decades and eons ago before we became super high, you know, fast paced and uh, technological. Um, There's just less of that sitting and listening and, you know, and hearing all the details. Um, We need really need to get back to that because that's where the answers lie. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not that we don't use that. I'll, I do a lot of testing mm-hmm. and I let the, st- the story drives what testing we decide to do. And sometimes we need to do some imaging, um, what, whatever we need to do. Typically, the care plan contains a, a food plan that's individualized to them. We do nutritional testing to help guide what we're doing. Everybody's got some nutritional deficiencies. So, and then follow-up visits are, you know, based on what we need. They can be an hour, two hours. It just depends on the person and how complicated they are, how much they need to learn, um, and how much support they need going forward. Mm -hmm. It's great. I love my work. I love diving into these you know, uh, fascinating stories and, um, and helping people learn what they need to just thrive to, you Mm -hmm. know, just rise up out of their fatigue and their pain and whatever, and learn to thrive and learn to take control of their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You almost get to be like a detective putting all of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, very much, very much so. Yeah. Do you do virtual visits with people? But yes, more and more, more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With all Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it works very, it works well, works yeah. great. We can get a lot, a lot done. I can't do a physical exam virtually, yeah. which sometimes is important. It often is important. I, we, we can get an awful lot done without that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So if people wanted to purchase your book or to like find out more about your services, where can they go to do that? They can go to my website at karenshanksmd.com. Okay. Um, and there's lots of uh, educational articles and eBooks and there's a, a book page there. Um, they can also uh, go to the, uh, my Amazon book page. Mm, okay. I just type in heal yeah. and Karen Shanks MD and it'll pop right up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I'll put that in the notes too. So okay. you can click sure. on it as well. But so one question that I love asking everyone is kind of what, what are some of your favorite rituals and routines that you do um, that make you feel really good as your own person <laughs> versus like maybe sure. what you tell other patients to do? What works for you? Yeah. So I start out every day with my meditation time. Mm-hmm. I get up, I try to get up early. It's been a little later during the pandemic. My schedule is a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually enjoying that little bit of extra sleep, but I really love early morning and the house is quiet and I go to my little meditation room. I journal. Mm-hmm. I do, I call, I kind of jokingly call it dump and dive. I dump <laughs> all my whatever, my bleh, my my, all my whine, it's all my whining or all of my, you know, the things I just need to talk to myself about. So mm-hmm. I, I do my journaling first and then I put my journal aside and that's when I dive in and I do a meditation and that can be an hour to an hour and a half. And I'm sipping my tea while I'm doing that. And it's just, for me, it's a way to just check in with myself to get really calm and relaxed. Sometimes I have great ideas or inspirations and it sets the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't look at my phone. I don't look at email. I don't look at in social media news, anything before mm-hmm. I've gone through that time with myself. Cause then I feel strong yeah. for the day. Yeah. But that's my favorite ritual. Yeah. Filling my up. morning. And I never, I never skip it. Never. Yeah. I love that. I love the dump and dive. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, truly though, that's like such a good way to put it. <laughs> Getting all the the stuff out from like bad dreams or just yeah, or dread. I'm mad at somebody or I'm yeah. It's gotta. I have to talk about it, mm-hmm. and I'm the safe safest place to do that. So yeah. let's get it out and get it on paper. And sometimes I don't even realize the depths of how I feel till I start getting it out there on paper. You know, so yeah. for me, journaling is a really powerful practice and then meditation is as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love both of those things. Those are, um, it's funny. I've actually fallen off of my journaling, my journaling, um, practice a little bit, which is strange for me. I've journaled since I was little. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. And do you keep all your journals? I, you know, I don't, uh-huh. I think my mom did. So I'm actually, oh, you yeah. bring that up because we're going to visit my parents, um, in the next few weeks and I am going to see if I can find some of my journals from when I was young. That would be so cool. Yeah. Well, and for me, one thing I've really been trying to focus on is getting creative again. And for me, creativity in the last, you know, 10 years, um, for me, creativity has been wrapped up in work. So I'm, I'm, I write for work. I'm a social media manager full time. I create this podcast, like, I create things, but it's for work and I don't know how to be creative just to be creative. Right. Yeah. So I'm interested because when I was little, I used to write poems and stories and just like songs and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can find some cool stuff that'll maybe like remind me that I used to be very, very creative. So I know it's in there somewhere. (laughs) And if you're going to be, if you're going to be moving, Mm -hmm. And setting up a new ha- a house, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a great time to get creative, right? Oh, that's so true. With yeah. colors and just r- arrangements. And that could be, that could be really fun if you yeah. have time, if you have time, if yes. you're not in a rush. You no. Know? 
And that's the, yeah. we're not going to, we're actually going to, because we're moving kind of across the country, we're in yeah. the, we're going mm -hmm. to the East Coast, but like we were going to be using it as like a, a road trip. So we're kind of going to do it slow with my husband's family and then get there and set things up. And I took the whole week off of work, so I don't have good. to do anything. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, that's such a good, that's such a good point because it'll be fun. It'll be a whole new destination to take care of, but that's yeah. right. Paint the walls. Yeah. You know, scribble yep. on the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're renting. So maybe oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? Well, um, I liked our, the conversation we were having about, um, about asking for help and, and not feeling stuck. And um, I can't think of anything more powerful than just contemplating on that. If you are feeling like, and, and, and if you're, and I think that a lot of times when people are listening to podcasts, they are searching for answers. And, yeah. um, and when people are searching for answers, they're often have they're often uh, feeling frustrated or stuck mm -hmm. um yeah see, see see about asking for help i think it's a very empowering thing to do um e even if you're just looking up at the sky <laughs> yes. right and saying help and yep. doing a and do a power pose i don't know if mm -hmm. anybody has seen the ted talk by amy cuddy um, she's a sociologist who studies the mind body relationships and um she looked at uh, poses that we that we use that people can use that make them feel more confident and powerful and literally change their hormonal balance mm. in favor of power and one of them is in yoga we call it starfish pose mm -hmm. but it's just it's uh hands overhead yeah kind of hit hit uh, feet or hip distance apart hands are overhead great big po open power pose and looking up at the sky and you're you're supposed to hold that for like a minute and it, it reduces your cortisol levels and raises, oh, wow. raises testosterone, mm -hmm. makes people feel more confident, more in control, more in charge. And it is incredible how it just, I'm doing it right now, how it just sh can shift your mood and your outlook in yeah. just 60 seconds. Yeah. So try it yeah. and, say, and say help <laughs> while yeah. you're doing it. If you're right now, take this as your sign that you should be asking for help. For right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on today. I think this is a really powerful conversation for my Thanks. listeners. So Thanks thank for you. having. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Of course.